0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Frogcast. Frogs fall to 3-3. 52-31 loss in Norman, Oklahoma. Last night, under the lights. Things didn't go so well. A few things went okay. Some positive takeaways somewhere in the midst of the meltdown. But I am not going to polish this thing up. The Frogs are sitting at 500 halfway through the season. This is not where anyone, including myself, thought we would be. So let's go ahead and wallow in our lament. We'll do that. Highlight a few things around the rest of the Big 12 and college football on this episode of the Frogcast. Jeremy, there's just no why to, no no nice way to say it. The Frogs have lost to SMU, they've lost to Texas, and they've lost to Oklahoma. This is not where we both thought this team would be halfway through the season, is it?
1: No. I thought 5-1 and one right now. I thought that's where they'd be. I, I figured this would have been the first loss. I never penciled them in as winning this game, um, so it's not shocking to me. Uh, they played them closer than actually what I f- felt like they were going to play them, but yeah, five and one is where I thought they would be, and uh, three and three is where they said. It's kind of disappointing. Definitely, uh, definitely not on the way to nine and three like I predicted.
0: Well, you know, I broke into the church safe right before the podcast okay. here, and we both had a loss on this game. You had a loss, thirty four twenty four. And I had a loss at forty-four twenty-seven. So when you kind of scale it up there, I was I was not all that far off at fifty-two thirty-one. So wow. uh, we both, we both had a, a loss penciled in, but then again, we both had wins leading up to this all the way. So we were looking at five and one. So we got the OU game right. We just got a whole bunch of other stuff wrong leading up to this. So. Oh man. You know, I'm not going to pretend like uh, all is well here. So, let's just break down. I got five what if questions. So, let's 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 ta- let's attack these Jeremy and then we'll see what else we need to discuss. This is the worst TCU defense since. What's your answer? I I've, I've got to say
1: 2004. I mean, that was the year before I started covering the team, but I still remember how bad they were. Um, I get Glimpses of Daryl Hackney from UAB throwing for like three something and rushing for hundred something in the same game. They were just they were just terrible, terrible defense. Probably, I, I really honestly can't think of a worse defense than that year, than two thousand four. I think they ranked near the bottom when the NCAA had one hundred seventeen teams. I think they ranked near the bottom um, in total defense. That's the closest comparison I can think of.
0: You know, I'm I'm going to go 2004 as well. What I remember is you know, the Frogs were 5 and 6, the last game of the season at home Thanksgiving weekend against the, you know, the mighty powerhouse of Tulane. This is not a Willie Fritz Tulane. This is just Tulane. And they they couldn't even keep Tulane um from scoring in that game. The Frogs had a chance to win late, but they lost to a bad Conference USA Tulane. And so I got to go with with 2004. You know, I had I had some people bring up like, you know, the 2016 defense where I remember at the end of that season, we were getting just blown off the ball by Oklahoma State and Kansas State. I think it was back to back games and then or, or, or two of the last three games. I think it was Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Then we went to Texas and won and then we lost to K-State. But th- that defense was pretty, pretty weak. And other people, geez, I don't know who brought this up, but they should be fired from whatever job they have. Talked about the twenty fifteen defense. Well, that twenty fifteen defense finished top ten in the country, put the team in the top ten in the country. So you can't have a terrible defense if you're um, finishing the season ranked in the top ten. Yeah, who who
1: said that?
0: I, I gotta find. They're on Twitter, and they've uh, got a really someone. Bad did,
1: someone didn't do their research. Twenty fifteen was was a pretty good defensive year. Yeah, um, but we say we say since we say since this might be the worst defense. I've ever seen Gary Patterson field, quite honestly. Yeah,
0: I think that's it. It's not this is the worst defense since. This is the worst defense. This is the worst defense that TCU has put on the field since Gary Patterson came to Fort Worth, even when he was the D.C. So I, I stole these stats. I think I stole them right off our board. I can't remember where I stole them from. So well, let I'm me sure read you it.
1: found a lot of stats on our board.
0: All right, well, these, these are accurate. These are not uh, – these are not some home cooking stats, so I think these will stand up. Th- this can be sourced. I'll put it that way. Nobody needs a footnote these days online, but these actually have a footnote. Good. Cal, 33 points, 441 yards. SMU, 42 points, 595 Cal yards.
1: Cal scored 32, so they're wrong off the bat. Oh,
0: 32 points. Excuse me. Then this is wrong. Uh, <laughs> SMU, 42, 595. Texas, 414 yards. Tech, 558 yards. OU, 525 So the Frogs are averaging roughly – giving up roughly 38 points and 506 yards a game. That constitutes the worst defense that they have put on the field since 1998. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's – they're right up there with Kansas. If they didn't have that Duquesne game, we'll probably have to go back and dive into those stats to see what the average is. Because I know coming into the OU game, they were surrendering around 430 yards a game. And, I mean – you take away that Duquesne game, it that average goes way up. So I, I've got to think they're they're definitely in the the bottom ten in total defense in the country. I I haven't even looked at it, but I can almost bet my mortgage on
0: they,
1: that they would fall in that category.
0: Yeah, well, if you take the Duquesne game out, it's over 500 yards a game that the frogs are giving up. So,
1: and I mean they've given up 30 points five consecutive games.
0: Not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> Not at all. All right. Well, let's go ahead and keep um, building on the positive momentum of our first question. The most injured team since. I'll, think, go ahead. I want to go. I'm going to go 2015. Yeah. And, and that's the problem. The 2015, you know, you think of everybody that got injured that season at one point or another. Colby Lissenby, uh, Deontay Gray, Josh Dotson. You go to the defensive backfield,
1: yeah,
0: Trevon Boykin. Uh, yeah, he got injured in Kansas game. Didn't play against Oklahoma, uh, where they where they could have uh, played to win the Big Twelve title and maybe even still sneak into the playoff. Yeah. I and mean, it's a, it's, but they they could have had one loss Big Twelve title. That's a hard thing to keep out of the playoff. Uh, flip over the defensive side. Do you remember was was it uh, Tejada that got injured in the SMU game? Uh, we had Ty Summers playing out there as a true freshman. Uh, because we had injuries in at linebacker, and then everyone's favorite myth, Mike Freeze, got back on the trailer after one game. And so it was m- maybe not the most injured, but the most depleted team was 2015, and they still went 11-3 and and finished in the top 10 with a win over Oregon. So I, I, I would say 2015 has got to be near the top, but there's some other things they have to compete because the injuries, which we'll go over here in a second, are legion on this team.
1: Yeah, and I don't have any rhyme or reason why they're getting so injured but i would say 2015 2016 was a big year for injuries too um they lost a lot of guys i don't have a lot of names in front of me but i seem to remember that being a big reason for the six and six year yeah. but i mean in, injuries happen and in a, in a bad case for them injuries are happening at the wrong positions because there's a lot of guys out there that if we could see emojis over their heads on the field, there'd be a lot of question marks.
0: Oh, there'd be a lot, a lot of question marks. So, so last night, let's go over some key players that are out. Zach Evans obviously does not play. So, what, what can you share with us about his status, what he practiced during the week? Because from what I understand, that was a game time decision. Correct. Yeah, I
1: mean, it was, it was. I, I talked to a lot of people. He was obviously in a boot earlier in the week. Wasn't as severe as a lot of people were saying. It wasn't a broke toe or anything like that. But I mean, it was legitimate game time decision. He was out there in in uh before they came out in uniforms, he was out there on the field kind of running around. And that's kind of how Quentin Johnston was at Texas Tech. He was out there in his hoodie and his shorts and just they test just to see how they feel. And and even if even if Zach was gonna go, he wasn't gonna get a bulk of the carries. He was only gonna see maybe ten touches, ten to twelve touches from everything that was told to us. So, I mean, he was going to be very limited in the first place. So they already had a game plan not to really have him included.
0: Let's talk about the Harris brothers. I was on the phone with you maybe a year ago, and we were talking about injuries. And I made this comment that I said, you know when you play at Alito, you're you're basically going to the semifinals or the finals of Texas high school football every single year. So you're mm-hmm. playing what, 15, 16 games yeah. every yeah. single season. Those are three-year starters at Alito, maybe more. Why it you know, was a
1: four-year starter. <laughs>
0: four-year starter? Yeah. Uh that's like adding what two extra seasons to your. Well, body you got to
1: think about it. Think of a guy like Wyatt who went to the state champ, state championship game, basically four years in a row. So what? Sixteen times four. That's what sixty-four games.
0: Yes, six, sixty-four uh,
1: game, sixty-four games in a four-year career. So most high school students, they're going to play forty, and then if they're lucky enough to play two or three rounds deep every year. You give them you give them the benefit of maybe 48 games, and that's still you're still almost playing 20 more games. So those Alito kids, whether people like to admit it or not, and it's not a it's not a knock on because obviously obviously they're a great program, but you got to understand those those kids have been playing a lot more football than your average high school kid because they go so deep in the playoffs every year. And for Wyatt and Wes, I've had this conversation with with uh them before and their family and people around alito i mean they they played a ton of games and wes wasn't really injured that much in high school i think he had a little thing here or there but never missed a lot of time but it catches up with you eventually i mean it, it's eventually gonna it, it'll eventually catch up with you no matter what so it sounds like a cheesy excuse but it it really it really isn't i promise you it 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 goes into a lot of things.
0: Well, Trey Hodges Tomlinson did not see the field in the second half, if I if I got my notes here correct. Any update that you know about what happened to him?
1: That's a good question. I, I really don't know. Okay. Typically when those things happen, it's it's maybe a head injury because he wasn't limping around and he was walking on the no. sideline with the helmet on. So Yeah. I I could tell you this, it wasn't due to any celebration.
0: I can promise you that. Yeah. Well, all right, well, let's go back to Zach here because our fans are obsessive. All right. So Zach plays the first half against Texas tech. They obviously knew they wanted to hold him out because they were monitoring something did did something not heal correctly in that week? Did uh did he go back out there and, and try to practice and and kind of retweak it? No, I, know I mean if, he he if you had, tell me you're telling West Virginia, but uh, I I think the backstory here is something that our listeners are are addicted to, and I want to be.
1: He hurt his foot. I mean Gary said it after the Texas Tech game. He hurt his foot, and and I even asked him, well, this wasn't celebration thing, blah blah blah, and he's he's like no, and gave me a crazy look that I even asked, and I told him told him afterwards, hey. I, have to ask because you got a lot of crazy fans that think that you're doing this just to just to spite Zach. And he's and he said now he's his foot and he had a boot on. I mean that's what's funny <laughs> and I and I tease about this sometimes because even with Lincoln Riley, you know, he closed practices whatnot because the students saw Caleb Williams taking first snaps. These these coaches, man, some of them get a lot of paranoia, and I know Gary takes a lot of heat for his paranoia too, but there's 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 still a thing called class there's still a thing called walking to class still a thing called classrooms and these students see these kids you don't think you don't think people don't recognize Zach Evans or Max Duggan walking around in a boot on campus really I mean there it's it's gonna get out there so I I don't really understand the reasoning why things try to try to be hidden so much not just TCU but pretty much anywhere but it wasn't a case where he retweaked anything. I mean, he didn't go in practice. Um, I don't think until Thursday, and it was very limited, very, very limited. So it was, it was still one of those game time decisions. He, where they're going to figure out can he can he go? Is, is is the pain tolerance good enough? It's same thing with it's same thing with uh, Max. You know, God bless him. I love Maniac. He's a friend of mine. But he's he's posting downing starting. I mean, because people are saying, Oh my gosh, that was
0: the dumbest thing. No, it's not
1: dumb on him because no, no, it was
0: a dumb comment. It wasn't, he's not. No, he
1: got, he got, he got told that information probably by a student trainer or someone. And maybe Downing was working first team reps, but that's just what I say. It's just when you have, when you have guys like that, that's why I kept saying Zach and Max are at best 50 50 right now because we really didn't know. And then I, and then I made a post on, I can't remember Friday or Saturday saying, Hey, People I'm talking to are saying that Max is telling them he's going to try to go. And so as soon as I heard that, I knew if the kid can walk, he's going to try to go. But they limited him. And, and what I said on on the board, you know, out here in Azel, our quarterback, he has a very similar injury. He has a broken bone on the top of his foot. It doesn't hurt him to plant. It doesn't hurt him to, um, I guess, move side to side so much. But there is there is pain enough pain to where they're not going to run them all the time. But what they do during the week is keep him in a boot. And he's got a little scooter that he goes around on and doesn't, doesn't put any weight on it Monday through Thursday. And then Friday he goes out there and plays games. He, and Hazel I me mean, let's pass Friday he threw for like 400 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, he, he's fine. And so that's kind of why I knew if it was a similar injury that I felt like Max was going to go, but I didn't want to go out on the board and say he's he's going until I knew for a fact that he was going and I don't think I even said anything until Saturday about an hour before the game that Max is warming up. He's going to go. So that's no blame on maniac or anything, but that's just how these things work sometimes because we're getting information and it's being told to us and we're trying, we're trying to relay that as best we can. Now, sometimes we look like fools when we do that myself big time because I'm relying on other information. So, you know, we had someone tell us that, uh, Wes and Wyatt were at Oklahoma. Guess what? They were both at home, you know, they didn't even make the trip. So that's, that's kind of how you get some of the information these days.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh man. Well, this is an injured team and hopefully things will begin to heal up just a little bit here. Uh we'll talk about West Virginia here at the end, but we got to be ready to go for West Virginia. That's a that's a beaten down but hungry and well-coached team. So hopefully guys can heal up this week, get, get in the hot tub, get to the trainer, um, have a light week and get your reps in and be ready to go for um this Saturday. So all right. When I sent you this question, you said I'm the one that has to answer this. So um I'll I'll give you my answer and then you uh tell me where I'm wrong. You want okay? me to
1: ask you the question?
0: Yes, you okay. asked me the okay. question.
1: This is the most frustrated fan base since. Sound like the snake just then. Golly, my S's work.
0: Well, that's that's probably apropos to this. that makes, <laughs> This is the most frustrated the fan base has been since. Well, let's. Let me go over a couple of uh, low watermarks. How does that sound? Because I've been I've been living and dying with you're, this team for a long time.
1: You're going to lose a lot of the guys that are in their 20s here in about okay. two minutes. I think.
0: Well, they can they can sit and spin. So, or okay. as we said in Chicago, they can go pound sand. Okay. So, um, all right. I remember going one and ten and rushing the field when we beat SMU in 1997, my senior year. That was a bad watermark. When you that was a bad moment when you rush the field because you win one game. Uh, that is Yukon esque. So I've been there for UConn esque, um, and I'm not one of those people that says, "Man, you boys don't remember what it was like when we were terrible, and you should just be glad." I, I don't. I don't have that. I don't have that worldview. Um, I, I want us to compete for the Big Twelve title, whatever uh, variation of the Big Twelve that we're in. But that was a bad moment. That was a very frustrated moment for the fan base. The other one, uh, a couple other ones, uh, 2001 was actually a frustrating year. People don't remember Coach Patterson's first year. Uh, that was not a solid season. We were 6 and 5. Lost to Northwestern
1: uh, State, if I remember. Lost to Northwestern,
0: Northwestern. State. We not Northwestern. Northwestern Northwestern State from uh Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Natchitoches. Natchitoches. yeah, Yeah, FCS, what we used to call 1AA. And then we also had the Marshall game canceled because of 9/11. People remember that weekend after 9 there were, there were, yeah, there were no sports. We had the Marshall game. Man, if there was Jeopardy of TCU schedule in the early two thousands, I would, I would be, you know, making tens of dollars. So we could have been, st- and that was a good Marshall team.
1: Hey, we could have st- I was about to say they're lucky they missed that game because I know they're lucky they missed that game. Was Byron Leftwich
0: the quarterback then? I think Byron. I think Byron Leftwich was the quarterback then. Yeah, yeah. Marshall would they, have they rolled have- up
1: about fifty on them.
0: Yeah, they would have smoked TCU. And then we went down to the Alamo Bowl and got spanked by the Aggies. And Casey Printers um, either had a terrible game or had a terrible game on purpose, and that is open to the observance interpretation. So that was bad. Uh, 2004, we already highlighted that. All right, I think the closest is this. 2013, we have a win over southeast Louisiana State. We beat a really bad SMU team. We beat uh, Kansas and then we beat an average Iowa State team barely. I mean, we beat a bad Iowa State team barely. We beat a bad Iowa State team barely. And that team went four and eight. And that's when the voices really started to get loud because we'd gone seven and six the first year in the Big 12. We go four and eight. And everybody's like, see, TCU was a cute story TCU. They, they had a, they had a nice run, but now that they have to go compete week in and week out in the big 12, they can't do it. All right. Here's the sad truth. None of those years that I described, um, compare to what I feel right
1: now. I was about to tell you as someone from the outside looking in, I don't think it's ever been as bad as it is. right it's now.
0: It's never been as bad now because, uh, go ahead and mute yourself there, Jeremy. Um, because we're looking at a 2018 team that you know had the glorious Cheez It Bowl that was fun to talk about, but that was a bad team. We had 2019 where we missed a bowl. 2020, you know, if we'd have had a non-COVID year for 2020, I think we'd be in a better mood because I think the frogs would be would have been about eight and four, get into a bowl game, beat beat Arkansas type team, beat an SEC team, go nine and four. I think every I think that would have leveled out everyone's. That would have dropped the temperature a little bit. But we didn't get the chance to do that. So what you have now is your fourth average to below average season. Uh, Coach Patterson in the Frogs being at, what, sub 500 in the last four years here um, with Power Five teams. That's bad. That's just bad. And this is the most frustrated I have felt as a fan. And it's not because I'm throwing my remote control or, or pounding my keyboard courage. It's because I'm just just kind of like whatever. I mean, this is just kind of what we expect now. I, w- I was sadly not surprised when we lost the SMU. I was, I was, I didn't think we'd have any chance to beat Oklahoma and the Texas game really didn't surprise me. So I keep coming back to this metaphor that a friend of the pod uh, gave to me. We don't have anybody that we're worried is going to get in a fight. We don't have any, but we don't have any headhunters and I don't mean targeting. We don't have any headhunters. We used to recruit hammers. Now we, Don't recruit hammers, and we don't develop hammers. So this is as frustrated as I have felt, and it's just kind of a malaise. It's it's like yeah, that's about what it is. There's there's no juice, there's no excitement, there's no development, and uh, things have have kind of settled into cruise control, into neutral. And I feel like um, before they had a good season this year, I feel like Pitt. Before they had a good season this year, I feel like NC State. You know, I I feel like the Cal program. Um, I feel like a warmed-over Purdue with a little better facility. So that's the most frustrated I've been as a fan, and I've been I've been living and dying with the Frog since 1994, man. I mean, I I still can rehearse in my head Max Naki to Jimmy Oliver, and this is this is the bottom moment for me as a as a fan. So because it's just it's been going on for this is four seasons straight, and I don't know what to do about it. So does that sound fair to you? You've been oh yeah yeah. Message boards of content addicts for years. I
1: promise you, this is the worst it's ever been. And it's not even close. I mean, there's there's arguments every every day. I mean, I I passed out. Didn't even want to look at the board this morning. I was just kind of like, ah, I'll let people vent their frustrations. But, it, I mean, I'll still get the occasional message. Hey, the board is crazy, can't believe you let it get like this. And I'm just like, well, people are going to want to vent their frustrations. It's in for TCU football fans right now, there's a lot of frustrations just because of what they're seeing. They're seeing a trend um, of barely, I mean, like you said, it's sub 500 football against Power 5 programs. And there's really nothing since 2017, there hasn't been really anything to get excited about. And what's crazy is, you look at and you mentioned development, they're still developing players and getting them to the NFL. But when you look at that, and they could brag about it, hey, we had the most guys go to the NFL out of any Big 12 program, but yet on the field, you're still not producing. Usually a team that has the most NFL prospects, they're doing something on the field right. They're they're at least in conference contention. And that's not that's not happening right now. And man, I tell you what, I would have never thought we we were going to be discussing it, but everyone had questions about the offense this year. And while the offense isn't perfect, I never would have thought we'd been talking this way about the defense, especially under Gary. Cause Gary usually every year and I, and I, and I've been on a ton of radio shows and discussed it. And over the years just Hey man, as long as that you know, they might've lost Trey Mary, they might've lost Garrett Wallow or our Darius, but, Hey man, as long as that as long as that guy named Gary Patterson's walking the sideline, they're going to be good on defense. And he's he's proven that to us year after year. And this year, it's not there. It, it is just not there. We can't we can't do anything about it and and I think for you guys frustrations when you have a coach that seems like he's very defensive to the fan base, he's um pretty secretive. Doesn't give out a whole lot of information as far as you know, open practices and media availability for his coaches um, to to you know for people want to talk to meet him or people want to talk to other coaches and, and get answers, but he really doesn't allow that. So I I can see from a reporter's perspective and, and what the fans want to read, yeah, I I get it one hundred percent. I I get all the frustrations. So it's just it's just a bowling pot right now. Jeff, it's like a boiling pot of water on the stove, and it's about to boil over. I, it really is. It, it, something something in, is going to end up being even worse than what we're talking about, and I don't know what that is, but it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to have a very good ending right now.
0: I'm going to quote you to you. Gary Patterson needs to make a change. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Patterson needs to fire his defensive coordinator. Did uh, I get that right? No, that
1: was my Norm joke because Norm, oh, I, was okay. to, I was trying to make light of the board and just trying to make a joke. And people that listen to the ticket got it. But, it, you know, Norm always says Jerry Jones, the owner, needs to fire Jerry Jones, the GM, because it's always, yeah. you know, and so I made a I made a joke about Gary Patterson, the head coach needs to, or yeah, Gary Patterson, the head coach needs to fire Gary Patterson, Patterson the defensive coordinator. And it was very much in jest; it was a joke. I was just people that, like I said, listen to the ticket, they knew exactly what I was talking about. But somehow or another, I got a lot of upvotes, and I think people thought I was like saying it for real, like he needs to fire himself, and that's not the case. So for you guys thinking oh. I was taking a stance against Gary, I, I wasn't. I was just making a. I guess a foolish joke.
0: Well, I love Norm. I want to have Norm's juice when I'm his age, man. Um, <laughs> I, I live and die. It picks at the pole. That's. I mean, to this day. <laughs> oh, well, you know that frustration is is clear and it is present and it is boiling. I, I think you're right. Something's going to boil over. Some some change is going to be made. So so let's pretend here that like you're you are the head coach or the athletic director. If you could change one or two things that are within your control, what would they be in order to right the ship between now and the end of the season?
1: Well, I would definitely want to change all the injuries. (laughs) I wish I could change that. But if it's just uh, something I could change right now, oh, man. You sent me that question, and I was pondering about this, and I I really don't know how to answer it because – you can say you, you can say one thing. I, I think I think the offense is doing fine. Um, I would say I would say have more of a formula of moving forward of what they had against Texas Tech. Don't make Max throw the ball ten times because I mean, obviously, last you know against Oklahoma, we saw that he can throw the football pretty good. Um, I, man, to be honest, and it kind of. Not to retract on my statement in a little bit, but I I think Gary probably does need to simplify things on defense. I think he's got a lot of confused players right now, and it's kind of like I made a post on the board about it. We all see him screaming his butt off over there on the sidelines. And unless you just completely don't like Gary as a coach anymore, you're, you're probably going to admit that, he's probably yelling at them at least a few times what's coming at them. It's like I said when I was a peewee coach. You, yell, you, you just automatically yell, watch out for this, watch out for that. And when he goes to the media and says, I tried to tell him, he's not picking on his players so much as to say they're, they're not doing what I tell them. He's, he's, he's giving us the truth. I mean, it, but if you have if you have that to where you've got kids so confused what they're doing, if you don't have a chance to tell them what they have every single play, then it needs to be simplified. And I don't know how you simplify things because a lot of the mistakes that they're having, missed tackles. Communication is a big thing that can be simplified. I wouldn't play – I'm not trying to dog a kid or anything, but I I sure as heck wouldn't play those corners on an island like they are right now. And – not even the corner so much, but just leaving those safeties one on one with with the the slots in the Big Twelve are not the slots like the rest of the nation. You got Marvin Mims running a slot, and he's running past T.J. Carter. There's no there. There's a big reason why there's so many pass interference calls because if they don't, they're going to get scorched for a touchdown because they sent. And it's not a knock on them; they simply can't cover guys like that. You cannot go man on man. So maybe. I, I like the three man front that they were showing a little bit in the second quarter. They were able to stop Kennedy Brooks a little bit, but there's there's got to be something done on the defensive side of the ball. I'm 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 to the point right now where they're losing these games with the exception of maybe Texas. I think the offense could have played a little bit better against Texas, but they're losing these games because of the
0: defense. Yeah, I agree. They're losing this game because of the defense. Let's go ahead and look at a couple of things be, that that did go well. And, and, and I think of this on, on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the Frogs outgained Oklahoma. They put up 529 yards. This looked like a Lincoln-Riley team of, of 2018, 2019 where they just were able to get in a big shootout and find a way to outscore them, even as their defense was was tissue paper. So the Frogs put up 529 yards to OU's 525. Max threw for 346. The offensive line didn't give up one sack. Um, that, that, that puts you in a spot to be able to win, and it puts you in a spot to be closer than um, three touchdowns down. So I, I feel good about what we saw on the offense. These are These are just three things I wrote down. Best game ever for Quentin Johnston. We need more games like that from Scheme to just get the ball to Quentin Johnston. I thought Max really played well. I thought that was one of Max's better games in his career as a Horn Frog. I know he's playing banged up, and I I thought he played pretty well. He couldn't run the way, obviously, that that we have um, become accustomed to, and I get that. That's obviously a cap. But even with him not being able to run, they went ahead and got downfield more. So I was really pleased with what Max was able to do. And the offensive line played pretty well. You know, they they didn't give up a sack. Um, they were able to get a push at times. They they're able to give really good protection from or better protection for Max, Max than we would have expected. You know, especially in these last two or three years where the offensive line has just been so poor. But there were things that were promising on the offensive on the offensive side of the ball. This is, I, you know, when we talk about the frustration of the fan base, the frustration of a guy like me. This talent level is ridiculous, and we didn't even have Zach Evans on the field. When you've got Miller, you've got Johnston, you have uh, you, you got guys like Darius Davis, uh, Tay Barber. Uh, you've got a guy uh, like Max. Obviously, you you got to get every single ounce of squeeze every single ounce of juice you can out of that, and and be able to get as many wins as you can. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure that all. I feel like all that's doing is being. Uh, you get some nice highlights, you get some nice pictures, but you're not getting the wins. And right. those wins are what those guys came here for.
1: Well, I agree with you 100% on, on everything you said. And I personally think with Max, I think that was his best game ever. Um, they lost, but as far as what we've wanted to see out of Max this year, throwing the football, because we knew Oklahoma going into that game, they were going to make Max beat beat them. There was no question. Oklahoma had the uh, top ten rush defense going into that game. You're missing Zach Evans. The offensive line got a little bit of push, but OU's defensive line is really strong. They they limited the run game as best they can. But Max made some really good throws, and and he he threw the ball downfield. Some of those passes were just great catches by Quentin. But some of them were really good good plays and decisions. And he's playing playing on a, a on a bum foot, man. Props to him. I mean, who would have thought if going into that game, Max throws for 346 and what he finished with? Four touchdowns? Four touchdowns.
0: And TCU four would touchdowns, still- three of them to Quentin yeah. Johnston.
1: Or- and, and TCU would still lose by 21 points? Yeah. A lot of people would have said, well, yeah, I guess Oklahoma. But I mean, that's that's pretty much, if you think about it, even even the Max haters, if you think about it, Max did everything he could do. If, if Max didn't gain the respect of some of his haters after that game, they shouldn't even watch the rest of the season because he's never going to do anything that's going to make, make them like him. If, that, if there was ever a game for a player to get fans on his side, it was that game because that, that sucker went out there and did everything he could do to help them win. Um, the offensive line, like you mentioned, I thought the offensive line, not only that game, but they've done a really phenomenal job this year, protecting him. He's not running for his life. And, uh, I think that's probably where some of the frustration went earlier this year because they were protect, protecting max so well that he, he was still not, not playing up to expectations. So I, I get some of that, but offensive line played really well. Um, but again, you you look and Quentin Johnston, I mean, like you said, Jeff, we gotta they gotta figure out a way to get him the ball ten times a game. He needs ten. He needs needs ten targets whatsoever. However, however they come, he needs to have ten targets. And Savion Williams had a couple of nice catches and and I like what I saw out of uh, Quincy Brown. That block for Kendra Miller on the the first touchdown was awesome. I mean, that's that's the little things that that help out in the uh, in the offense. So there was there were some positives, but they, they the negatives far outweigh the the positives on uh on offense I mean negatives from the defense I will say this about the offense and I don't know if you're going to bring it up or not but i I thought and, I, and I've told this to some people I think Doug Meacham has done a pretty good job this year I think he does good about 80 to maybe 85 90 maybe even 90 percent of the time but it's that 10 to 15 percent of the time where he'll do something crazy that you'll build a you'll build a uh a, a molehill into a mountain and it it just drives you nuts because it's like like last night they had a third and one and what do they do? They run a RPO with the injured quarterback or a zone read with the quarterback. That that wasn't a good decision. Then they did the same thing basically on fourth and one. That was that was not a good that was not a good play call right there. I understand Kendra was on the sideline too at that time, but maybe try to pound DeMarc Way Foster. We've heard all kinds of great things about him in practice. Try to pound him straight ahead behind that offensive line, see if they can get a yard. And and that was a big, that was a big momentum shift right there when they didn't get that first down.
0: Oh, that that That's was a huge did. momentum shift. And then you and got what? The, what do you think about putting Max at wide receiver with a direct snap, and he turns and waves his hand like he wants you to throw into the ball? Do you think anybody is fooled by that? No,
1: I mean the wild frog worked one time and another time it got got smashed. So yeah, um, they. I don't know. It's 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 a tough it's a tough thing to be a play caller because you're never going to be hundred percent right and please everyone every play. But I think Meacham overall. I mean, you like I said, Matt. If you would have told me TCU goes up to Oklahoma, they're going to out. Gained them on offense, 529 yards to 525. Max is going to throw uh complete 20 passes for 346 yards, four touchdowns. No interceptions. They, did they turn the ball over, by the way? Yeah, we,
0: yeah, we had one. We both uh, – TCU and OU both had one turnover. No, I mean, what was the turnover for TCU? Oh, man, I knew you were going to
1: ask okay, so that. Okay, so the only one I can remember, and I was kind of being sarcastic when I asked this, the only one I can remember is when Darius fumbled and they returned it, but they got a, they fumbled it at the pylon and got a touchback. So TCU didn't technically get have a turnover. No,
0: they did not. That's right. right?
1: So they played almost as good as you could on offense. And, and like, as I've mentioned this year, they've gone punch for punch in that game against SMU, punch for punch. Texas, they were going punch for punch. But there's there's only so much you can do when you watch your defense just get run over and then run over again and then hey, let's throw one deep. Oh, you can't cover deep, tackle them. I mean, just there there's just it's like letting the air out of your balloon every time you you do something. And uh I I just never would have thought you get those you get those kind of uh that kind of production from your offense and you still lose by twenty one points. I just don't I don't I don't understand it.
0: You know, I don't understand. I point. do
1: understand it, but I mean I'm just flabbergasted by it.
0: I know, but if you take the last three minutes of the second half in the first three minutes or the last three minutes of the first half and the in the first three minutes of the second half, you know, that's that's the ball game right yeah, there.
1: 14 points. And, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's it's 17, 14 OU. I, I think it was two fifty the left in the half. The Frogs have the ball. And, and, and they just go three and out and give the ball back to Oklahoma. And guess what Oklahoma does? Oklahoma scores a touchdown. Oklahoma gets the ball to open the third quarter. Oklahoma gets a touchdown. It's 31-14. And, you know, the Frogs fought back. You know, they did what they could. But the, that that six-minute bracket there, and I, I've heard I'm, – I'm not a coaching guru. I'm not an X's and O's guru. But I know, man, how, how you end and how you begin in that, four, in that uh, three to – Four minutes of the fir- of the end of the half and the start of the second. That's where games are won and lost. And the frogs lost it right there. Yeah, the frogs lost it right there, and that was the worst possible moment for the twenty percent bad Doug Meacham to show up.
1: Yeah, because you're you're talking about possibly with them having the ball at two forty four left in the first half. If they could sustain a drive, you could possibly go ahead or at least or at least well, tie it up. At least tie it up. But instead, it goes, they only take a minute and set minute seven off the clock. Mm-hmm. OU gets the ball back, and at that time, we're all, every one of us know, defense What's is going to give up something big. We all knew what was coming. OU, of course, scores 24-14. Then you get the ball back to start second half, as you mentioned. Nothing there. Punt. We knew OU was going to score then. so a game that could have been tied or even led by TCU at halftime. And all of a sudden you blink and you open your eyes and they're down 31 to 14. And that was huge, man. There's no way around it.
0: Nope. There's no way around it. That was a big deal. And that crushed us. That hurt. There's just no, no nice way to say it. That hurt. (sighs) All right. Well, let's end on a real positive note. Uh, is Caleb Williams the best freshman quarterback you've seen in a long time, or are they just pumping sh- sunshine? I
1: honestly that you, you put that on there, and I, I got a real quick comparison early, and now he's nowhere near this size, and it's yet to be seen how good he's really gonna be. But Trevor Lawrence comes to mind. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was a really good quarterback as a true freshman, and you could even go to my Facebook from the night of the national championship when he won when when he led Clemson to that championship. I posted on there with the first pick of the twenty twenty one draft, the whoever's draft Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you could just tell that guy was going to be a, the the top overall pick. Caleb doesn't have your prototypical NFL size for quarterback as far as height goes, but he's. He's playing. I, mean, I mean, the way the offenses have changed over the years, he's he's plenty big enough to be the first overall pick. I think his arm's extremely good. Um, he's just really smart. He does not. He does not panic. He looks cool, uh, cool, calm, and collective out there, and he is way mature beyond his years. I think T.C. would have had a much better chance if Spencer Rattler was out there playing quarterback. To be honest with you, um, that's and and, and people. They're, they're talking about how could OU barely beat Tulane? How can they barely beat so-and-so? There's a big reason why, because Spencer Rattler was not playing well this year. He was not playing well at all. Anyone could go back to that game and watch that. But he is a difference maker. I think he's going to be a, a thorn in TCU side for the next two or three years, however long Oklahoma stays in the Big 12. But golly, he's, he, I, I can't believe that. Uh, now I know why the student section was wanting Caleb Williams a few weeks ago when they played West Virginia. It's it's obvious. He he is a much better. It was obvious in the Texas game, and it was, it was pretty obvious last night that he was the better quarterback of the two.
0: We want Caleb. We want Caleb. Yeah. We want Caleb. And you know what? I don't want to hear from anybody that says Spencer Rattler is having a bad season because he got a, a new car and an NIL deal. <laughs> you know. No, you would have taken that car, buddy. I don't want to hear it. That's not what it is. Um, I, 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 I guess a better, a better way to say it is: I'm not sure why he was having a bad season, but Caleb Williams is special. Uh, he reminded me a little bit of Manziel, just like the yeah. So, something's going to happen. It's it's not like oh talent comparison on the on the on the chart, but it's like I, I kind of always got nervous every time he got the ball snapped to him and. Didn't know what you know, when the play was breaking down, I was like, Oh crap, he's gonna do something significant
1: here. What's amazing is is you think you look at him and he he is a true freshman. He he did not spend a year le- learning under an uh, older quarterback or anything like that. He's only been on campus for a few months.
0: And so. he didn't play football in twenty twenty. Yeah, because yeah, it's play you know, no football where he was. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, he hasn't played high school football since 20. He hasn't played football since 2019. Gets his first substantive snap. Oh, I don't know. At a in a multiple touchdown deficit in Red River, comes back, beats Texas, makes his first start, beats TCU. So that's a pretty high bar to clear right there. I had, it, a, I
1: had a college coach tell me last year, or not last year, but before this season started. They said that now this was just one college coach. They said watching Caleb Williams film, he looked like the best high school quarterback this particular coach had ever seen. So that's that's saying something right there.
0: Well, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, it wasn't a
1: TCU coach. I know that. Okay. But, all
0: right. Well, um, it doesn't matter. It sucks. So all right, let's let let's glance around the Big 12 here a little bit. Oklahoma State is undefeated. Um, they're in the top ten now. They go on the road to Austin and are able to get a win against Texas. Texas is not back. Baylor beats future Big Twelve member BYU, and Baylor is um, ranked. I think they're they're six and one now. So Baylor is is in a good spot. Oklahoma, Iowa State is slowly and quietly getting back to form, and they're gonna they're gonna upset somebody this year. I, I think it's Oklahoma State Iowa State this weekend. That's gonna be a barn yeah, burner. Yeah, that's gonna so. be a good one. That is gonna be That if you want to watch some well-coached football teams, that is gonna be it. And Texas Tech is going bowling. So the Frogs still have Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State left on the schedule. And you throw in there, obviously, West Virginia and uh it, it was, Kansas. Got Kansas in there. Kansas State. Kansas State. All right, of those three, OSU, Baylor, Iowa State, how many what's the Frog's record in those three games?
1: Oh, uh... Call me crazy, but I'm still not 100% convinced Baylor's as good as their 6-1 record. Because I saw BYU get whipped by Boise State the week before. Okay. I, I, and that's a home game. I, I think TCU wins against Baylor. Now, Baylor's defense is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, but I'm still i I'm still not convinced that 6-1. That just like, what's Texas Tech's record? Are they – Six and two I, now?
0: I think they're five and two. Five and two? Yeah. So they're
1: five and two and TCU beat a five and two team by twenty one points.
0: Yeah. Have that, we decided if can if Tech is good or not yet? Cause that determines. Well, I mean they're
1: five and two. That's what I'm saying. You can't <laughs> like that's that's why I'm I'm I like what Baylor's doing. I think Dave Aranda is is a really good coach, but I'm still suspicious suspicious of that six and one record. I I think I think that record is better. Than what their football team actually is. Now watch them beat TCU by 30 points, and I'm all wrong, but I, I'm still not convinced by that. And I, I know they played uh at Fort Worth in Fort Worth, so I, I think that's gonna be big for TCU. Uh now Oklahoma State, that is a team that I did not see in I did not see them be uh this this good. Um what are they, six and and0 now?
0: Yes, they are six
1: and O. Yeah, I did not predict them to to be ranked this high. I did not predict them them to be undefeated. Uh, that was a game that I had TCU winning in Stillwater. Right now, it's fifty fifty. Their defense is tremendous. I mean, they have a they have a great defense in TCU. Other than the years they've been pretty good, twenty fifteen and, and twenty seventeen, they've struggled playing in Stillwater. So, well, they lost in twenty fifteen up in Stillwater. So, but. They, they've had they've had their number, uh, the last couple seasons. So I I think they can go up there still and, and upset them. And I said it, it's crazy to say, man, and no I'm rambling here. I I still don't know what we got with TCU. I know, I know they I know they got a horrible defense. I wish you know you win a game like you did against Texas Tech, and then they would have had a chance to play a team like. Uh, West Virginia instead of Oklahoma because you're going from a team like Texas Tech to the top team in the conference now at least you know where you are compared to the top team in the conference that's a good thing you're still a long way away from being at the top but I I feel like Stillwater still a, a 50-50 I feel like they'll beat Baylor and Iowa State Iowa State I had as a loss before the year I still feel like it's going to be a loss so one and two in those three games and West Virginia and Kansas State and Kansas, I feel like they could go three and zero. So I still feel like this team could go seven and five or eight and four.
0: Well, I had us losing at Oklahoma State, so I, I feel pretty good about that prediction now. You know, I said I said Texas Tech was going to go bowling. Um maybe they won't. Let me finish. Tell me if somebody has a tougher path to close out here. So uh, Texas Tech is, is five and two right now. They're trying to get back to a bowl. They have Kansas State this weekend. If they beat Kansas State, they're going bowling. But if they don't, they close out with it's Kansas State, Oklahoma loss, Iowa State loss, um, Oklahoma State loss at Baylor.
1: That's a fifty-fifty, I think. Okay, I'm still not. I, I I'm still not convinced with with Baylor because I think okay. they're really. I think for the most part, they're still Gary Bohannon's getting better as a passer and he doesn't turn the ball over but i'm they're not one of those teams that's just going to air it out on you they're they're kind of one dimensional right now i haven't seen at least with tcu you kind of know that yeah they could run the ball really well but one week they run for 394 and then the next week they throw for 346 so you know they have a chance to be balanced you know what i mean there's 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 a chance for them if they take away the run, if some team takes away the run, that Max can throw the football. Or if they're taking away the pass, they're going to be able to run. So, I think TCU has got a, a really good balance on offense right now. I don't think you could say that with Baylor and Texas Tech right now. Oklahoma no, State, you can.
0: Yeah, Oklahoma State, you can. In Texas, you can't.
1: I think they're, 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 their fans are already uh, wanting Hudson Card back in there. They're saying two weeks, you know, three – Four weeks ago against Arkansas, they were saying Hudson Card's yeah, not Casey- the answer. They yeah, they need to get Casey Thompson back in there. Now Casey Thompson's not the answer. They need Hudson Card back in there. So man, what a train wreck it is in Austin right now. They're four and three. I right? know they've they're doing the exact they are doing the exact same thing they did under Tom Herman. They're, they're, they're
0: four they're, and three. They still have Iowa State. They still have Baylor. That's a uh, That's going to be an interesting way to close out the season. So, All right, uh, two quick things, and then we'll wrap up. All right, which one of these is more astonishing to you, that Cincinnati is undefeated and Michigan is undefeated, and that Cincinnati is undefeated and number two in the country and Michigan is undefeated and number eight in the country?
1: Well, I think Cincinnati has proven over the last couple of years that they're one of the better football teams in the nation, regardless if they play in a power five or not. I mean, they've got a great coach in Luke Fickle. They've got a great defense. They've got some good athletes. It's kind of like when TCU was up there in the Mountain West when they were undefeated. Everyone had kind of built that respect for them and knew that they were pretty good. I think Cincinnati's getting that same type of respect, and they know they're a good football team. They beat Notre Dame, which everyone knows. Notre Dame's a dar- football darling, and uh, I think Michigan's still kind of—they're undefeated, but they people are kind of looking at them with one eye, kind of squinted at them. Just is that record really valid? And uh, you know, I've got some Michigan buddies, and they're they're walking around a little bit different these days, sticking that chest out a little bit. But yeah, I feel like I feel like. Uh, they still – they have some losses in them. And for Cincinnati, if the the guys that are doing the polls, if they're voting on things, if they look at their schedule, I mean, the only really tough game they have left on the schedule, and I hate to say this because it's going to make some of you guys mad, and, and but it's SMU.
0: It's SMU. I'm going to make sure I got this right. Michigan is undefeated in number six. Michigan State is undefeated in number nine. But okay. but still, that Cincinnati number two is ahead of an un- is head of an undefeated Oklahoma. I, dang man, I say good for you, good for you Bearcats. Luke Fickle is a heck of a coach.
1: Well, that's what I am saying. Like he's he's got the respect of the nation and uh, yep. and of these voters.
0: Yep, he does. Because he I honestly, does.
1: think if Cincinnati and and uh, Michigan or Michigan State lined up. I think Cincinnati wins both those games. I think it would be a little bit more competitive against Oklahoma, but I think Cincinnati could beat Oklahoma as well.
0: I think so, too. I think so, too. All right. Closing question. There are two undefeated teams left in the state of Texas, SMU and the University of Texas at San Antonio. Which one do you think would win on a neutral field with no fans?
1: UTS. I mean, uh, SMU.
0: You think SMU? Yeah. Okay. I think SMU
1: is a lot better than people think, man. And I, It's like this year when people were saying TCU is going to win by two or three. I'm like, tap the brakes, buddy. Quit yeah. letting your. I mean, SMU's got a SMU reminds me so much of what TCU was in the Mountain West.
0: <laughs> how
1: many? How many times did? How many times did TCU win recruiting battles against some of those Big Twelve programs when they were in the Mountain West? They built a solid roster to where they had guys like Andy Dalton at quarterback. They had really good running backs. They had Jeremy Curley, uh, Josh Boyce. I mean, they, I mean, the list goes on and on. Jimmy Young. They had a really, really good team, and they did it through recruiting. And SMU's done it through recruiting, but they've also done a majority of it through the transfer portal. And if you look at that roster, they've got—I uh, would say—of their twenty-two guys that start on offense and defense, every single one of them had a had a had a, a power five offer. Yeah, P five offer. I mean, it's they not do. like it's not like SMU's winning uh, battles against. UTSA and UTEP for all these recruits they're they're winning some legit recruiting battles just like TCU did back 10 10, 12 years ago so I I mean SM but UTSA UTSA is up and coming too but I just don't think they have the overall talent that SMU has right now and I'm not trying to prop up SMU I'm just speaking facts I mean they're undefeated for a reason
0: Yes, they are. They're undefeated for a reason. And I am curious if this is going to be Jeff Trailer's last season at UTS. Could be. We'll find out.
1: Hey, uh question for you, Mr. Go Irish. for it. Yes. What happened there in Iowa City?
0: Let me tell you, I, I have a soft spot for I have a softer spot for the Hawkeyes now than I did years ago. You know, my brother is a diehard Iowa fan. He lives and dies with them and the the hospital there, the children's hospital, when they do the wave, that's beautiful. That's cool. That's cool. You know, I've got, I got people I love that have been cared for at the University of Iowa hospital, including the children's hospital. I used to go make pastoral visits there for sick kids from my church and they do, they do God's work there at that hospital and that's a great moment. That said, Anybody that thought Iowa was the number two team in the country last week <laughs> on, on the field, no thank you. No. They're a top 10, their top 10 team. I'd take Cincinnati over Iowa seven out of 10 times. Um, yeah, I'd take Oklahoma State over Iowa. I'd take Oklahoma over Iowa. I might take Texas over Iowa. Um, that said, I was I was gonna ruin somebody else's season. You know, they're going to have that huge loss to Purdue. And they might sneak into the Big Ten title game and beat somebody and, and ruin ruin somebody's season. And I would be all for that. All for that. But that's who's, it. Who's
1: our playoff teams again? Do you have that, buddy? I do. Okay. All right. I have, we're, we're midway through the season. Let's, let's see how our predictions are holding up.
0: I think we had this. I had um, – you had Bama-Clemson. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Clemson's Over- out. Yeah, Ou and Georgia. You had Bama and Clemson. Ou and Georgia. But don't don't worry. Mine's mine's just as bad. I had Georgia and Alabama. Ou and all three of those could still hold up. And you want to know who? What my fourth team was?
1: Ohio State. USC. Oh man, you're way off. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm way off. So we'll, a, we, we still going. have
1: we still have a chance to get three out of four.
0: We do. We do. And after Saturday night, I have a feeling Ou is going to. Oh, he's going to be there. They run the table. God bless them. So
1: when is that? When is that Oklahoma State game?
0: Oh my gosh, that's the problem. It's Thanksgiving weekend, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State Thanksgiving weekend, and then they could turn around and play Bedlam again. That's what. Yeah, yeah. Eight days later, or or I think it's I think they're playing on Black Friday. I could be wrong. Don't. So that's
1: going to be that would be hilarious.
0: That would be hilarious. Play, Play
1: them, play them in Bedlam, and then turn around have to come down to Arlington and play again
0: you know but you know what would be the most uh, bedlam thing ever is for gundy to lose on the last play two weeks in a row yeah cuz he he just can't win that game
1: what would you do what would you do if there's total chaos and both those teams are undefeated going into that game you said oklahoma state oklahoma where's oklahoma state ranked now
0: I think they're number eight.
1: Okay, so I haven't looked at the post, so I haven't. Yeah, sorry. I, just, um, I just. So OU, I'm assuming, is still number four, or are they number oh OU three? is number three. Okay, so three and eight. So if they keep winning, they would have a legit shot of being three and yeah. five when they play each other.
0: Yeah, OU is three and OSU is eight. Yeah, yeah. and, and let's, let's remember this. This is the AP poll. This is not the playoff poll. And we've seen what the playoff poll can do to – um bolster some teams and drag down other teams. They got their their teams they like and the teams they don't. I I if they did a playoff poll today, I don't think Cincinnati would be number two. I think they'd be number four or number five.
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: You know, and I think Oklahoma State, um, I think Oklahoma State has got a Oklahoma State has everything in front of them and control their own destiny. So we could be looking at a number two and a number five undefeated Oklahoma in Oklahoma State, the the great the biggest bedlam ever.
1: How about that?
0: How about that? So all right. Well, we have hit an hour, so we're gonna bring this thing to an end unless you got something else, Jeremy. I don't. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Frogcast. Join our message board. Things are heating up. We want you to be a part of tc 24 7 Sports. Go to Hornfrogblitz.com. Um, subscribe today. You're gonna want to stay connected to what's going on inside and outside of the program. Also, give us a rating or review on your podcasting app of choice. We would love for you to subscribe and give a review to the Frogcast. Hey, guys, we weren't on it last week. Um, life happens. It's just where we were. I apologize for that. But we're out here putting good content out on this Sunday night. It'll hopefully be there for your Monday morning drive, and we will be here every morning, every Monday morning between now and the end of the season. So until we get back together next week, hopefully, to talk about a win over the West Virginia Mountaineers. For Daniel Southern, Jeremy Clark, Jeff Mitchell here. Keep on listening to the broadcast.